Hi, and welcome to Pasha. My name is Nundobe Gomjali. Thanks for joining us. Great white sharks are on the top of the food chain in parts of South Africa's oceans, but there's been sightings of them popping up dead with their livers removed. We asked Alison Tauna, a marine biologist at the Department of Ichthyology and Fisheries Science at Rhodes University in South Africa to explain what's going on. When and how did you realize that the great white sharks were being seen less in South Africa's oceans? I've been studying white sharks in um, the regional area of Hansby for the last 15 years. And, you know, we had such consistent sightings records of them, and particularly in their peak winter hunting months, we would see upwards of 10, 15 white sharks a day. And it was really after around 2017 that those numbers started to drop. And it wasn't as if they went down on a, a sort of gradual decline. They literally just started to vanish for, for time periods. And that all coincided, of course, with the arrival of the, uh, the killer whales. The Western Cape of South Africa has three prime white shark coastal aggregation sites, uh, one of them being False Bay, Cape Town, where they've got Seal Island. Um, 100 kilometers down the coast towards the east is Hans Bay, again with its own seal colony. Um, it's known as the Dyer Island system. And then another 300 kilometers east from there is Mossel Bay. And they are considered the Western Cape's prime aggregation sites that white sharks have collectively gather in numbers and either uh, ecotourism boats can go out and dive with them or scientists can, can observe and study them. And your study shed some lies on why these sharks were missing. So can you tell us more about this? What did you, you, you find in terms of your research? Yeah, so I mean, back in 2012, we published the first uh, regional population estimate for white sharks in Hansby, and we modeled data over a five year time period. Um, and we came up with a number about 800 to 1,000 white sharks, we think frequented that region over the five year study period. And you fast forward to post 2017, where we would go upwards of six months to a year even uh, with, with zero sightings. So something obviously dramatically happened. And at the very same time this started to occur, we had the arrival of killer whales. In particular, it's a pair of killer whales um, that are both male, and they are known to hunt for sharks along the Western coast. So a colleague of mine in False Bay, they were looking at, at this killer, killer whale pair's predation behavior on seven gill sharks on the inshore there of False Bay at Miller's Point. And they'd had a whole bunch of carcasses that had washed out, that were torn open, that were missing their livers. And um, when they analyzed the data set and they wrote the, the article, they put it down to the fact that these two killer whales are hunting the seven gill sharks. And it was only really in 2017 that we started to see Port and Starboard, that the pair are actually named because their dorsal fins are actually collapsed over in different directions. So ports is to the left, starboard's to the right. So this, this pair of shark-eating killer whales, port and starboard, started to appear more frequently in Hansby. And that's when we noticed, again, our white shark numbers not just declining, like dropping to zero. And not only that, we were um, faced with carcasses washing out uh, on the beaches. Now, this is a world first in that nowhere in the world ever before have white shark carcasses been available for scientific exam examination uh, post killer whale predation. Um, so usually the killer whales that hunt sharks are, are generally an offshore ecotype. So it's not really happening close to the shore uh, globally. It's not happening very frequently. It's quite a rare thing. And so here in South Africa, we, you know, we were faced with these carcasses washing out. Again, exactly, almost identical to the seven girls in, uh, in False Bay. Um, and this killer whale pair have a very signature sort of tear that they, that they open the sharks up with. It's around the pectoral girdle area. 
And of course, the white sharks in Hansby were missing their livers, some of them other organs as well, uh, including their heart. And it was just, it was a lot, a lot to try and keep on top of scientifically, but also a lot to process, right? Because who expects this to happen, uh, you know, in, in, in such a, I guess, a, a dramatic way. It's, it was night and day what happened before 2017 with the, with the arrival of the killer whales and the white sharks. And can you explain specifically why the livers were removed and just maybe expand on how you just mentioned now that it's the first in, in the world that, you know, scientists had access to these carcasses because now they were happening on shore. So could you explain that dynamic in terms of why it was happening at a point where it was accessible and that the bodies could be washed up? And then you can obviously touch on the on the liver dynamic as well. So the only other places worldwide that it's been documented, so killer whale predation on great white sharks, is off of California and off of uh, the south of Australia. Uh, there's a, a place there called the Neptune Islands. And both these locations are quite far from shore. So the Farallon Islands off San Francisco are around 40 kilometers west offshore. And, you know, the one observation was um, back in the 1990s. So the researchers there literally saw a pod of orcas come through and they saw it, uh, the orcas kill a white shark and, and it looked like it looked like they were diving down consuming the liver but of course no carcass washed out uh, similarly down in south australia out at the neptune islands it's like three hours offshore of adelaide um orcas were seen coming through sorry i'm going to probably use the word orca interchangeably with killer whales but killer whale scientists prefer the word killer whale to describe them um even though the, the latin name is orcanus orca but yeah down in south australia they witnessed um again it was a predation event at sea but no carcass washed out and in the wake of both of these events overseas you know the white sharks fled the areas for um upwards of months to, in fact it was an entire season they were gone uh, in california so down in south africa what we've got is an area close to coast that i guess the killer whales are frequenting and accessing the white sharks to a point that when the carcasses sink they're, they're close enough to a beach to wash out so it's not as if the orcas are attacking them on shore or anything it's still certainly happening in the ocean um but with all the surge and the currents and the wave action you know the carcasses are, the carcasses are physically washed out which which has made it really a world first for us to be able to examine them and then, yeah, so leading the necropsies on, on the dead sharks, we've now uh, done eight great white sharks that are, are confirmed orca predated uh, since 2017. Remember, these are just the carcasses that are washing out. So the likelihood is that the, uh, the damage is much higher. Um, typically, white shark carcasses would sink, actually, when they die. So the liver is often describe it almost like the camel's hump so this is where it's a huge organ this is where the sharks store their nutrients right so they store them in a form of oil in squalene um, very lipid rich organ it can make up to almost a third of the shark's body weight uh, and the first white shark that we um, necropsied that animal weighed i think it was almost 1.2 tons minus its liver it was a very large shark close to five meters um so, yeah, I mean, that is exactly what the, the killer whales are targeting them for, is, is for their livers. And it seems that over the time that the, the killer whales have been frequenting the South African coastline, it's almost like they've graduated. So they, they started on the smaller seven gill sharks, you know, opportunistically, they, they got that strategy right. Uh, and then they moved on to the white sharks. You know, it probably took them a few attempts to get it right. But again, they seem to have mastered it. And they're even taking bronze whaler sharks as well, which we know are another large species uh, commonly seen along the South African coast. Again, always torn open with that liver missing. And do we know where the sharks have moved to? Are we seeing a return of the numbers or is, is it still like, you know, dead silence in terms of the, the presence of these sharks? And do we know where they've moved to? 
I guess what we can almost uh, compare it to is almost like a game of cat and mouse along the coast right now between predator and prey because now we know obviously white sharks are prey of a, another predator of killer whales and when these killer whales buzz through an area you know white sharks do have this response where they will abandon sight and they will probably flee in all directions but the ones that have fled that have had acoustic transmitters on so that's one thing I have been doing in hands by a lot the last last 15 years is putting these devices on that we can track acoustically uh, known as tags commonly um, and so we've recorded these flight responses where you know a white shark will flee the area and it will go hundreds of kilometers down the coast towards the eastern cape and up even as far as towards Durban uh, you know in response to this uh, this killer whale presence but then of course you know we've got individuals that might not f uh, come close enough to the coast or be tagged and therefore they won't be seen by boats or by um you know uh, citizen scientists they will they basically won't be detected so but what we can see in summary is that you know white sharks in hands by initially started leaving for up to about 6 weeks um but then they'd return again um not always the same white sharks usually uh, different ones actually but then as soon as the killer whales come through again, the same response, the only difference is then the duration of absence is longer. And the last period of absence we had now in 2021 till actually till 2022 June was a year away. So not a single white shark was seen for a year in hands by post the last predated carcass that washed out, which was 26th of June 2021. That's a long time. And, and one theory as well with False Bay, you know, the white sharks have been gone far longer in False Bay. It, has it got something to do with, with Port and Star being there in 2015? I mean, it's around 2015, 2016 that the, the False Bay white sharks really started to vanish. And while the evidence wasn't there for False Bay in my paper, it was very much hands-by focused, certainly we can see that the correlation is 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 completely in sync with killer whale uh, uh, presence. And, um, you know, it's not the only location in the coast this has happened as well. It's happened in Muscle Bay, further down the coast. And Alison, can you tell us the broader impacts of these extended periods of, of absence? What does it do to the broader ecosystem in the area? I think this topic has gained a lot of uh, attention around the world and some people are pretty excited about the findings. But of course, it is a really sinister topic when top predators abandon site because ecologically we have so much connectivity between other animals within an ecosystem and it affects everything them not being around. So if I just look at the area of Hans Bai as a case study, you know, we've got the greater Dyer Island ecosystem here. Uh, and on Dyer Island, we have breeding pairs of African penguins, which of course are critically endangered and their numbers are really, really low. Uh, and then we've got a seal colony of, of Cape fur seals at about 45,000 Cape fur seals. So now without the natural predator around for the Cape fur seal, which of course is the great white, we have the seals performing this riskier behavior, this bolder behavior, because they are not they don't have any predators to fear anymore. So they're spending more time in the water closer to the penguin colony. They're also uh, competing for the penguins' prey. Of course, small pelagic fish, sardine, anchovy, is all food that um, the penguins have to struggle to, you know, compete for with fisheries anyway to get hold of. And now we've got more Cape fur seals eating their food, but also directly predating on the penguins themselves. Um, so it's just, you know, it's, it's just too much for the ecosystem to, uh, you know, to sustain long term. I know um, there's a lot of debate about how quickly do trophic cascades happen and well what we're seeing is just in the wake of the white sharks being gone for a year or two already there's a different mesopredatory shark species that's taken over the top spot that's the bronze whaler shark um, and you know the, the increase on, on predations of, of African penguins so these are these are really concerning things to be seeing already.
Alison, at this stage, are we able to think about some solutions? Is there anything that could possibly be done? Or is it just a matter of nature doing as nature does? Yeah, so what I can say is there's a, a comprehensive killer whale, updated killer whale review paper coming out uh, this year for South African killer whales because the last one that was done is in 2010 and clearly what we've got now is an increase or an uptick in killer whale numbers coastal in South Africa. Um, so once that data comes out, I think it will really be able to inform management better as to you know where, where can we locate these killer whales, what's the seasonality patterns, where have they come from? Um, but certainly, you know, all the monitoring that's been ongoing so far needs to be strengthened further. It needs to be continued. There isn't any funding from government for white shark research in South Africa. So a lot of the work's been done privately through NGOs, through tourism. Um, so solution wise, I mean, look, we, we really can't stand on board the idea of going out and culling. I know that in a terrestrial environment, if we have problem predators arrive, um, the solution would usually be quite simple i mean in south africa we all know that from from game reserves etc but in the wild open ocean with the largest dolphin species which is a highly charismatic large-bodied very intelligent animal just yeah the option to cull is, is obviously very 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 controversial anti-orca deterrents something that's never been trialed or used in south africa i know some fisheries do use them there are many different devices but of course then we need to consider the ecosystem impacts and the possibility of the devices impacting other species so what i'm basically trying to say is there this is all happening so quickly and i guess almost the science isn't keeping up with it and once the science all the science is together i think there'll be a lot of discussions as to how you know how to best best move forward but there is absolutely no clear-cut answers right now and, and the rest of the world is looking at this, right? Because it's quite a novel situation. Um, elsewhere in the world, California, Australia, white shark numbers are, are doing good. They're not showing um, declines or, you know, they're actually showing recoveries from protection post the 1990s. But down here in South Africa, we're not seeing that. So, you know, we're really worried about the white shark population as well, of course. The mystery of why great white sharks are not showing up in South Africa's waters has gathered international interest. A pair of killer whales causing this to happen is truly remarkable. Great white sharks help keep balance on the ecosystem. So the hope is that researchers can find a way to keep the orcas from killing them. Losing them means pressure on their numbers and other species as well. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Pasha produced by Ozear Patel. From me, Nundebe Gomjali, it's bye for now.